You're being recorded now. You can go ahead and start playing. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'm always being recorded, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, help. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for today's reading, Father, uh, August 23rd. It's a joy to, to read your word, Lord, and and uh, bless it, Lord, and let uh, let reveal stuff that you want us to know about today, Lord. And just give us grace and mercy and more of Jesus in the word, Father God. We bless this word, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you like to start reading first, baby? Sure. Everything's, would you like to, Anna? <laughs> sure. Okay, Lord. Uh, Job chapter 8, verse 1 to eleven twenty, please. Then Bildad and Shunite replied to Job, How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what's right? Your children must have sinned against him. So their punishment was well deserved. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you're pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. And though you started with little, you will end with much. Just ask the previous generation to pay attention to the experience. For we were born but yesterday and know nothing. <clears throat> Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. But those who came before us will teach you. They will teach you the wisdom of old. Campaparus reeds grow tall without a marsh. Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they're still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. The same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They are leaning on a spider's web. They cling to their home for security, but it won't last. They try to hold it tight, but it won't endure. But it will not endure. The godless seem like a, a lush plant growing in the sunshine. Its branches spreading across the garden. Its, root, its roots grow down through a pile of stones. It takes hold on a bed of rocks. But when it's uprooted, it, it's as though it never existed. That's the end of its life. And others spring up from the earth to replace it. But look, God will not reject a person of integrity, nor will he lend a hand to the wicked. He will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Those who hate you will be clothed for shame, and the home of the wicked will be destroyed. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know all this is true in principle, but how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone wanted to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? 
For God is so wise and so mighty, who has ever challenged him successfully? Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place, and its foundations tremble. If he commands it, the sun won't rise, and the stars won't shine. He alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. He made all the stars, the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Yet if he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. If he snatches someone in death, who can stop him? Who dares to ask, what are you doing? And God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea are crushed beneath his feet. So who am I that I should try to answer God? Or even reason with him. But even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure he would listen to me, for he attacks me with a storm and repeatedly wounds me without cause. He will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. If it's a question of strength, he, the strong one, he's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares to summon him to court? Though I'm innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I'm blameless, it would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. Innocent or wicked, it's all the same to God. That's why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked, and God blinds the eyes of the judges if he's not the one who does it. Who? Who is? My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. It disappears like a swift papyrus boat, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I decided to forget my complaints, to put away my sad face and be cheerful, I would still dread all the pain. For I know you will not find me innocent, O God. Whatever happens, I will be found guilty, so what's the use trying? Even if I were to wash myself with soap and clean my hands with lye, you would plunge me into a muddy ditch and my own filthy clothing would hate me. God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a meteor between us, someone who could bring us together. The meteor, mediator could stop, could make God stop beating me. And I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. I'm disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me the work of your own hands while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Are your eyes like those of a human? Do you see things only as people see them? Is your lifetime only as long as ours? Is your life so short 
that you must quickly probe for my guilt and search for my sin. Although you know I am not guilty, no one can rescue me from your hands. You formed me with your hands, you made me, yet now you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust. Will you turn me back to dust so soon? You guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me in the skin, with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Yet your real motive, your true intent, was to watch me, and if I sinned, you would not forgive my guilt. If I'm guilty, too bad for me, and even if I'm innocent, I can't hold my head high, because I'm filled with shame and misery. And if I hold my head high, you hunt me like a lion, and display your awesome power against me. Again and again, your witness against me, you pour out your growing anger on me and bring fresh armies against me. Why then did you deliver me from my mother's womb? Why didn't you let me die at birth? It would be as though I had never existed. Going directly from the womb to the grave, I have only a few days left, so leave me alone, that I may have a moment of comfort before I leave never to return. For the land of darkness and utter gloom, it, it is a land as dark as midnight, a land of gloom and confusion where the, even the light is dark as midnight. Then Zophar and the Namathite replied to Job, Shouldn't someone answer this torrent of words? Is a person proved innocent just by a lot of talking? Should I remain silent while you babble on? When you mock God, shouldn't someone make you ashamed? You claim my beliefs are pure, and I am clean in the sight of God. If only God would speak, if only he would tell you what he thinks. If only he would tell you the secrets of wisdom. For true wisdom is not a simple matter. Listen, God is doubtless punishing you far less than you deserve. Can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? Is it broader than the earth? and wider than the sea? If God comes and puts a person in prison or calls the court to order, who can stop him? For he knows those who are false, and he takes note of all their sins. An empty-headed person won't, be, won't become wise, any more than a wild donkey can bear a human child. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer, get rid of your sins and leave all inequity behind you, then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. Having hope will give you courage. You will be protected and will rest in safety. You will lie down unafraid and many will look to you for help. But the wicked will be blinded. They will have no escape. Their only hope is in death. Amen. Okay, wow, a long couple chapters. Amen. And what did you get out of it? Um, amazing. Huh? Wow, amazing from the beginning how his friends just said, well, you know, in the beginning where it says, um, the very beginning, number three, eight, three, it says, 
does the Almighty twist what is right and is assuming that your children must have sinned against him so their punishment is well deserved it's like wow how how in, in, uncompassionate can you be to assume that and to tell that person that's their children that got taken and now you tell them oh there must be sin that's why that happened I just feel like sometimes that's what we hear what people assume if something there's a problem in somebody's life that it's sin related so, Amen and the uh, today's study is to be between Job 9 20 and 21 it says Job knew that God didn't owe him anything Job was alive by the grace of God even if he was suffering Job also believed that he had not sinned right. in a way to deserve such suffering. Job didn't think his life warranted such suffering, so he wanted his case presented before God, Job 9, 32 and 35. He recognized, however, that arguing with God would be futile and unproductive, Job 9, 4. Job knew that in bringing his case against God, he would only sin by falsely accusing God. Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. When we face hardships, when big or small, we can become indignant, believing that we did nothing to deserve them. Job's attitude can guide us here. We must be careful to avoid accusing God or believing we're right and he's wrong. God is always right, even if we, don't, we can't understand our own circumstances. God is always right, period. Like Job, we must live in the fear of the Lord, that wisdom will keep us from sinning, that wisdom will cultivate humility for the times when God's ways don't make sense. You know, um, it reminds me that God is a just God, and, uh -huh. and He said He will never leave us nor forsake us, yes. and the Bible says He will not lie. And um, right. so He's given us... Uh, tools or antidotes when we're perplexed. When we're perplexed, we're to say, thank you, God, I'm perplexed. Thank you, God, for the situation. And we don't try to solve the situation with our own scrutiny, but but wait upon God and get his twist on it, his counsel. The counsel of the Lord is a skill. Um, only by his grace we're here, and we don't deserve anything. That's why we thank him. And by thanking him, situations will change. You know, it just it just is a good, like, I don't know that it's a good idea to live in the book of Job, you know, for people to really, well, Job did this, you know, Job did that, you know. A lot of people have reference in the book of Job. I don't know that I want to stay here because Job did not have a good opinion of God. You know, yes, he, he didn't feel he deserved it. But it, he, the way he demonstrated was like an angry God. Even well, though he his didn't. Friends did, his friends did. His friends were the ones that said, Your children have sinned. Yeah, but over here, where it says, and Job speaks up. Yeah. You know, he, he, I mean, he understands that God is God, and how can you bring a case before him? But at the same time, he's like, Well, he does all these things, and, you know, he's anger, and just for, to me, portrayed him like an angry God. Mm. Uh, but then. I really like over here where we did see a symbol of Jesus here where in number 35, 33, it says, If only there were a mediator between us, 
someone who could bring us together, the mediator could make God stop beating me, and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Wow, beautiful. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that on my own strength. So this is Jesus all the way around. He's our mediator. He's our advocate. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. Um, and, and that is just, you know, that's the one area that I found Jesus through all the complaining. And I think that as we, as people read this book, you know, it's like, like you said, you know, instead of complaining about your circumstances and acting like you don't deserve it, praise the Lord for your situation because you know he's a mighty God. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change. He doesn't leave you alone. He didn't cause that to come upon, you know, you know, he didn't strike you with, with an illness, you know, the way people uh, say that illness is a lesson or whatever. So we really have to um, see God, have a good opinion of God, but yet when you go through a trial, learn to, to you know, use his word to help you out of yourself. You know, because something, there's a blessing always, because we know what, the, what happens to Job, he gets restored. There is a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I really like that one little area. Um, and I, just a good good example of how, what does it help to complain, you know? And, and I just like over here, I don't know who said it, maybe it was his friend or something. Yeah, maybe it was Zophar and Namathite, number 19 or 18. Having hope will give you courage. Mm. Okay, having hope will give you courage to to you know there's uh, there is hope you know thank God for our new covenant New Testament covenant that we have hope against hope even though we go through a trial or you know a circumstance. Um, Amen. So I really like that. So, anyways, I did get something out of it. Lord, thank you very much. Amen. Your turn. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 28. Mm-hmm. Let me, Paul, now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You walk in it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what have, had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scripture says, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. At one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he, he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results, for I have worked harder than any of other the apostles yet it was not i but god who was working through me by his grace so it makes no difference whether i preach or they preach for we all preach the same message you have already believed but tell me this since we preach that christ rose from the dead 
Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles will all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, and that can be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christians are not being raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then you then your faith is unless useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone died because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God, the Father having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself. God gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will be put, put himself under God's authority, so that God who gave his Son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything else. Amen. Amen. Wow. It really goes extensive into the resurrection. Yeah, here the uh, today's study, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty three says, The bodily resurrection of Christ is the center of the Christian faith. In the Jewish faith, the first part of the harvest was brought to the temple as an offering, Leviticus 23.10. In the same way, Christ was the first to rise from the dead and never to die again. He is our forerunner, the guarantee of our eventual resurrection to eternal life. In the resurrection Christ, we see an example of what our resurrection life will be like in both body and spirit. Most Greeks did not believe the apostles' bodies would be resurrected after death, according to Greek philosophy. The souls was the real person imprisoned in a physical body, and at death the son, the soul was released. They saw the afterlife as something that hap- happened only to the soul. By contrast, Christianity affirms that the body and soul will be united after resurrection. The church at Corinth was in the heart of Greek culture. Thus, many believers had a difficult time believing in a bodily resurrection. Do you think of eternal life as only a spiritual experience? That is not all there is. It it will also include new physical bodies and a new creation. Amen. Amen. Wow, just really, like when he goes into this, he says... If 
we, if Christ, if, if people don't understand the resurrection and they say there's no resurrection, then Christ hasn't been raised and we're all still guilty of our sins. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <coughs> everyone who died believing in Christ are still lost. So, he really nails that point home. And I like the way they say he's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Amen. And he explains it, you know, after the end, he says, Christ was raised as a, the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. There it says it again, that the dead shall rise, right? Mm -hmm. After the end will come when he will return the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. It says, for Christ must reign until he humbles, you know, Psalm 110, and gets all the enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to dis be destroyed is death. Amen. Amen. Pray the song, Prayer for those who feel abandoned by friends and family. Ask God to draw near to them and encourage them. Psalms 38, 1-22 O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. This psalm, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me. And my health is broken. I am exalted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every heart beat wildly. My strength fails. I am going blind. I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm make plans to ruin me. All day long, they plan their treasury. But I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make no reply. For I am waiting for you, O Lord. I am waiting for you. You must answer me, for, O Lord my God, I pray, don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice in my downfall. I am in the verge of collapse, facing constant pain, but I confess my sins. I am deeply sorrowful for what I have done. I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me without reason. They repay me evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Amen. Proverbs 21 and 28 to 29. A false, false witness will be cut off, but a credible witness will be allowed to speak. The wicked bluff their way through, but the virtuous think before they act. Amen, amen and amen. Amen. All right, we did it. Praise God for the reading of his word. Something happened in recording. No. Reading from the book of 1 John, chapter 5.
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by blood and water. It is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is true. Let me read that again. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of Him. If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who com commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is not sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has, has given us understanding, that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true, and his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Now, we're reading from chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is 
in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of God, was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In this, <coughs> in this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen. Leading you besides water. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes, makes us lie down, down beside the still water. He restores our soul. And he leads us Amen. in paths of righteousness. Thank you, Heavenly Father God, that we're here being restored in our souls. We're here in the uh, beautiful streams of living water we bless these waters with this koi fish uh, over here at rampart um what's the name of the hotel rampart jw marriott the marriott hotel in las vegas what a scene what a dream. we're doing our and today is the readings of july 26 i believe Actually, it's August 12, but we're behind. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless our readings today. Amen. Okay, you're up. Okay, Second Chronicles 17, 1 to 18:34, please. Amen. And it says that uh, then Jehoshaphat, Asa's son, became the next king. He strengthened Judah to stand against any attack from Israel. 
He stationed troops in all the fortified towns of Judah, and he assigned additional garrisons to the land of Judah and to the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years and did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. So, the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. He removed the pagan shrines and the Asherah poles from Judah. In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials to teach in all the towns of Judah. These officials included Ben-Hale, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micaiah. He sent Levites along with them, including Shemaiah, Nathaniah, Nathaniah, Zebediah, Ashahel, Shemarath, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah. He also sent out the priests Elishama and Jehoram. They took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and traveled around through all the towns of teaching the people, towns of Judah teaching the people. Then the fear of the Lord fell all over the surrounding kingdom so that none of them wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. Wow, Lord, good job. Some of the Philistines brought his, him gifts and silver as tribute. And the Arabs brought 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful and built fortresses and storage cities throughout Judah. He stored numerous supplies in Judah's towns and stationed an army of seasoned troops at Jerusalem. His army was enrolled according to ancestral clans. From Judah there were 300,000 troops organized in units of 1,000 under the command of Adna. Next in command was Jehohanan, who commanded 280,000 troops. Next was Amishaya, son of Zikri, who volunteered for the Lord's service, with 200,000 troops under his command. From Benjamin there were 200,000 troops equipped with bows and shields. They were under the command of Eliada, a veteran soldier. Next to command was Jehozabad, who commanded 180,000 armed men. These were the troops stationed in Jerusalem to serve the king besides those Jehoshaphat stationed in the fortified towns throughout Judah. Jehoshaphat enjoyed great riches and high esteem and made an alliance with Ahab of Israel by having his son marry Ahab's daughter. A few years later, he went to Samaria to visit Ahab, who prepared a great banquet for him and his officials. They butchered great numbers of sheep, goats, and cattle for the feast. Then Ahab enticed Jehoshaphat to join forces with him to recover Ramoth-Gilead. Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead, King Ahab of Israel, asked King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Jehoshaphat replied, Why, of course, you are, you and I are... As one and my troops and your troops, 
and my troops are your troops. We will certainly join you in battle. Then Jehoshaphat added, but first let's find out what the Lord says. Amen. Amen, Lord. That's good right there. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, 400 of them, asked them, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should we hold back? They all replied, yes, go right ahead. God will give the king the victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. The king of Israel replied, Jehoshaphat, there is one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imlah. Jehoshaphat replied, that's not the way a king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. So the king of Israel called on one of his officials and said, Quick, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah. King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robes, were sitting on thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. One of them, Zechadiah, son of Kenanah, made some horn, iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord says, With these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him, Look at all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micaiah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what my God says. When Micaiah arrived before the king, Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should we hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically, Yes, go up and be victorious, for you will have victory over them. Mm -hmm. Sarcastically. Okay, but the king replied sharply, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak from the Lord? Then Micaiah told him, in a vision, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you, the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesied anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued listen to what the Lord says I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him on his right side and on his left and the Lord said who can entice King Ahab of Israel to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed whoa there were many suggestions and finally a spirit approached the Lord and said I can do it how will you do this the Lord asked and the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. Since, you, since when did the Spirit of the Lord lead me to speak to you, he demanded. 
And Micaiah replied, you will find out soon enough when you're trying to hide in some secret room. Arrest him, the king of Israel ordered. Take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from battle. But Micaiah replied, if you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added to those standing around, everyone mark my words. Wow. Mark my words. So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramath Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, As we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you will wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his char charioteer commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So when the Armenian chari chariot commanded, commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There's the king of Israel, they shouted, but Jehoshaphat called out, and the Lord saved him. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. As soon as the charioteer commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, they stopped chasing him. An Armenian soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot. I'm badly wounded. But the battle raged all that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Armenians in the evening. Just as the sun was setting, he died. Ooh. Amazing battle. Mm -hmm. um, real quick, like, uh, first of all, you know, the Lord tells us real simple things to do. Yeah. Stay away from evil. Right. Um, you know, real, and then the, the spirit of reason comes in. Trying to reason you, oh, well, it's not that bad, mm -hmm, you know. Right. You know, we saw an example yesterday of uh, the kids wanted to see uh, a movie called Ghostbusters, and I and I took them because they're six and eight. I took them to go see Dory instead. Yeah. And which was very pleasant, musical, a lot of colors, and great. about family. Mm. And yeah. it was it was it's serene great. and was pleasant, mm -hmm. and. Uh, just to make sure that, the, you know, we're not tricked by the enemy. And mm -hmm. I, I prayed. And an amazing thing, I asked God to give me a sign if I should go see this movie. So when the little boy talked to me and he said he really wanted to see it, I kind of I figured, well, that must be a sign, you know. He's really explaining. So I said, okay. But when we got to the show, it wasn't playing. It wasn't playing. It had already played. It didn't play that afternoon. Right. And, and we are we didn't want to go across town. Right. So. Uh, we decided the Lord had answered. The yes. Lord has spoken direction. And the amazing Amen. thing that he got unruly in the nighttime when it was time to go to bed, take a shower and soak a little bit. And uh, how much more unruly would have happened if uh, if you put a lot of violence in the imagination of a young child? Yeah, that's uh, the right decision. You know, God has... Uh, God does answer prayers, his wonders to perform. But the amazing thing right here is is the guy said we can hear from they didn't even follow the prophet's suggestions. Right. The prophet predicted from the Lord and they knew in their hearts that the other guys were just uh the four hundred prophets were just uh uh you know, they were just getting their meals. They're getting their meals and 
but the prophet of God was speaking from the spirit. You know, thank God that God took care of Jehoshaphat, but the other guy was doomed to die anyway. Right. You know, the other interesting thing that happened is who will entice these prophets to lie? The yeah, spirit yes, came. Yes. A volunteer came up. It has been said from near-death experiences that we are all volunteers. We have come down and volunteered to encourage others, and we say we can do it, but at the same time we have we we uh, we get. We get other we get other spirits that try to tell us that it's not so, and try to convince us. So we're we're doing the deal, the best we can, and God is helping us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, just uh, just like the Old Testament prophets came to and they did prophesy, um, the king did not like that prophet because he didn't ruffle his what do you call it tickle his ears. And the four hundred did, and the one he didn't like because he he spoke what God's spirit was telling them. Amen. So that that was uh, obvious, but it says clearly that the Lord caused those 400 prophets to lie, lying spirits to come upon them. So, um, and I like the way the prophet said, mark my words. He was that sure of the word of the Lord that he said, mark my words. Um, you know, it's, it's at the beginning of the chapter it, it talks about Jehoshaphat and that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father in his early years and he did not worship the images of all. He sought his father's God and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. And it says in the early years. In, in the early years, words, yes. In the ending years, right. it was not so. Right. But, in you know, it was we read on in the story, you know, it said that, uh, the, uh, all the people of Judah brought gifts, so he became very wealthy and highly esteemed, and he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Amen. You know, that just another, uh, the Word of God confirms this several times in the Word of God, is that when you're deeply committed to the Lord, he takes care of you, he protects you, he, he causes you to prosper. Um, later on in the chapter, we read that he got, you know, they were confused, that he, they thought he was the king of Israel, and he wasn't. And then it said here that the, he cried out to the Lord. It says, um, they shouted, but Jehoshaphat called out and the Lord saved him. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. And uh, and they realized he wasn't the king and they stopped chasing him. So in his early years, like you said, he did what his father did. And he continued to seek the Lord. He was committed to him. And this is the out, this is the outcome of what happens when we do commit to the Lord. He, he, chased, he ch takes care of you and protects you in those Amen. situations. Amen. Good point. Um, and um, let's see. And I love this part. It says that uh, that they all got together in his third year, all of the Zechariah, Obadiah, Nathaniel, Micaiah, and uh, they sent out priests and they took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and they traveled around the towns of Judah and they were teaching people with the book of the law. They were teaching people, the Levites and stuff. And, and then it says, and this is the outcome of teaching your people um, correctly. It says, Then the fear of the Lord fell over the surrounding kingdoms, so no one wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. Amen. What an awesome thing. No one wants to, you know, imagine our United States being so into the Lord and to his gospel of grace that no nations want to go to, to trouble us. You know, that's, that's kind of like the picture I'm seeing right here is that, 
No one wanted to declare any war against Jehoshaphat. No one hated him. So some of the Philistines brought him gifts and silver as tribute, and the Arabs, Arabs brought 7,700 rams and, and goats. So they had a, more than enough that were being things uh, being brought to them. So and Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful mm -hmm. and built fortresses and oh, stored yeah. cities throughout mm -hmm. Judah. He stored numerous supplies in Judah towns and stay. And then it goes to list all the troops that were mm -hmm. fighting under mm -hmm. him. Yeah. And and, it's, and then they say they have a volunteer over here. Uh, one guy, it doesn't say where he's from, but it's just that he's a volunteer. Uh, eight sixteen said, mm -hmm. next was Amasiah, son of Sikri, who volunteered for the Lord's service with 200,000 troops under his command. Amen. I like just the way, interesting. I like the way Jehoshaphat stood up too. Well, let's hear, is there anyone else? Is there a prophet of the Lord here that will speak? Be, uh, because he knew that those prophets were, they obviously didn't have... Um, integrity or something that he said well, is there anyone else here that can speak the that, word of the Lord that brings to a good point they, they talk about in today's study why don't you go ahead and read that see if you okay um, Ahab asked Jehoshaphat to join forces with him in battle before making that commitment Jehoshaphat rightly sought God's advice however when God gave his answer through the prophet Micaiah Jehoshaphat ignored it uh oh wow Jehoshaphat's trolls began when he joined forces with the evil king of Ahab. Almost at once he found himself in target of soldiers who mistakenly identified him as Ahab. He could have accepted this fate because he deserved it, but instead he cried out to God and God saved him. Real love for God is shown by obeying the direction he gives us, not by merely asking for advice. James says the same thing. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. James 1.22 but even when we disobey and the consequences follow, we may be tempted to throw our hands up and I choose sin. We may think it's my fault and I must accept the consequences. No matter how greatly you've sinned, God desires to show mercy, show you mercy. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Ezekiel 18:30-32. Wow, that's a good point. I was wondering why he was partnering with them. You know, and you know he was very, very powerful, and uh, and I, I think get the, the great riches and so forth, and and whatever his hand touched turns to gold. Je Jehoshaphat enjoyed great riches and high esteem in 18:1, and he made an alliance with Ahab of Israel. Why would he have to? You know, he's just trying to be a good brother, a good yeah. something to somebody. Kind of reminds yeah. me of that that homeless guy that we gave. A book and about almost five dollars to, and I could have used the money. And, and he lied three times. First he said he was hungry, then you said go buy him something at McDonald's, and he says no, I want Chipotle. Yeah. And then I said, well, let's go. And then he goes, well, I want to go to my rehab, take a bus to the rehab. Mm -hmm. And then he said he hadn't drank in three months, and I kind of snuffed. I kept yeah. giving him the benefit. Of, I right. was fooling myself, thinking right. that, he, that he's going to be a good seat. But I should have gave him a couple of dollars and said, I want you to tell me that the truth and I'll give you this money you're yeah. a liar yeah and because he was I like the way it says right here he was fooling himself you know when you're yeah. fooling yourself yeah. you're, you're leading yeah. your own self you're, you're, in foolishness yeah. right. that's an amazing yeah. statement yeah you know and I, but I always kind of go back to Pastor Prince and what he said you know he said he'd rather be wrong in that area oh uh, amen <laughs> so yeah, give him you know, mercy give him mercy he may have you know wanted something to eat you know and or you the sleeves you planted because you spend a little bit of time with him this could have 
changed it, the situation. Am I am I right? Amen. Uh, <clears throat> um, and going back to here, um, I just wanted to say that um, when we go up and when Micah had said that he had a vision, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. Here we go. It's like, you know, that's mentioned in the book of Isaiah, sheep without a shepherd. You know, there's no, no savior, you know. 1816, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it says their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Yeah, over here, the, the real word is, is uh, shepherd is a master. Mm -hmm. Yeah, master. so, you know, they don't have a... The Lord. The Lord, yeah, that's our Jesus sign right there. Um, so, <clears throat> anyways. Send them home in peace. That's send them home in peace, yeah. Send them home in peace. Like what has Jesus done? The chastisement of our peace was upon him, that by his stripes we're healed. So... That's what we can expect when we have our master. We're not a sheep without a shepherd anymore. We, the Lord is our shepherd. Hallelujah. Um, so, yeah. That's Amen. Awesome. Romans 9, 25, 10 to 13. Mm -hmm. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophet Hosea, Those who are not my people, I will now call my people. I will love those whom I did not love before. Interesting. Yeah. And then at that place where they were told, you are not my people. Let's stop right here. Okay. Uh, whom I did not love before. It's like when you said there's mercy available when you want it. Don't turn mm -hmm. your back and let sin dominate you. Right. Because there's mercy available. Mm -hmm. So let us not turn back because there's love available for us. Amen. Amen. And love is a form of answers. Love is mm -hmm. a form of easy life. Love is in the form of peace, the master, accepting Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I just got that. And then, Romans 9, 26, Then at the place where they were told, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. Mm. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, now talking about the Jewish people, mm -hmm. Though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. Wow. So the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. Wow. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of our children, we would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like wow. a moron. Wow. What does this all mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God, and it was by faith that they, this took place. The people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead Whoa, of by beautiful. trusting in Him. Wow. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scripture when he said I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble a rock that makes them fall but anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced amen, amen. thank you Lord dear brothers and sisters the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved I know what enthusiasm you have for God but it, it is misdirected zeal for they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Refusing to accept God's way 
They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's ways of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of his commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say it in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, faith says, the message is very close at hand. It is in your lips and it is in your heart. And the message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Amen. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen. Will you go ahead and read? Uh, okay. How do human uh, decisions and God's actions chart the course of history? We human beings always want to believe that we're in charge. Ain't that the truth? We think that by, it's not the truth, but it's correct in what it's saying. Um, we think that by our decisions and our actions, we can determine what will happen. However, scripture confronts us with quite a different scenario. Although human decisions and actions are significant, the will of God is vastly more important. In Romans 9, Paul shows the, that God determines the course of salvation. Paul constantly explains the unexpected development of salvation history by appealing to what God has said and done. Human decisions alone cannot explain the situation. <clears throat> and God said, has said that he will show mercy to anyone he chooses, Romans 9.15. While theologians will continue to debate the role of God's actions and the role of human decision in salvation, God's sovereignty stands out clearly. Amen. The contemporary world has set God to the side and ignores the divine influence on the course of human affairs. But God's decisions really do direct the world as well as the planned histories of those who trust him. We can confidently affirm that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to their purpose. Amen. Amen. Today's study on Romans 10.3. No, we just, oh, what did I just read over here? Are there two studies? Uh, yeah, two different studies. It's a special study today. Okay. Romans 10.3 says, uh, says, uh, I know refusing to accept God's way, for, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. He's talking about the Jewish people refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. This is a really good explanation. Mm -hmm. uh, with admirable intentions, the Jews established rituals, traditions based on law of Moses. We can easily fall into the same sort of thinking, trying to get right with God by going on our own way, attending church, serving in the community, Getting, giving money and worthy things, making all sorts of sacrifices. But Paul's words stings, our own way never succeeds. 
How are you trying to get right with God? Don't create a new set of rules to follow Jesus. Already took, Jesus already took care of that. Human effort, no matter how sincere, can never substitute for the righteousness found in Jesus. God's salvation is not for those who try to earn His favor by being good. It is by those who realize that they can never be good enough and turn to Christ instead. We can be saved only by putting our faith in what Jesus Christ has done. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Galatians 5.1 Amen. Um, I really enjoy how uh, Paul says what the Holy Spirit is saying. The message is very close at hand. It is in your lips and it is in your heart. It's in the seed of your faith that's produced reasoning. You know, you're through uh, believing. It's just, you believe, therefore you speak. Amen. If you confess with your mouth, Amen. That you, if and believe, if mm. God raised him from the dead, mm. you will be saved. Amen. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Anyone who calls on Him will never be disgraced. Yeah, and it says that twice. So I think when God repeats Himself, He wants us to make sure we know that anyone, when we trust in the Lord, we're never going to be put to shame. Amen. So that's good. But I did have a question um, back here in number um, 5, 8. Mm -hmm. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart, Who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, Who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life? I'm not really sure I understand that. Well, it explains it over here. Uh, we can easily fall into the same sort of thinking, trying to make our own ten, ten steps to God. Oh. Trying to get right with God by going our own way. Sacrificing our own Yeah, self, making, please. don't create a new set of rules to uh -huh. follow Jesus. Or he's already made the plan. And he's already died already. and resurrected. So, yay, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Okay. So it's, don't, it's just bringing up the, uh, he's bringing up, and, and we Catholics do that. I've done mm -hmm. it. I burn candles. I tattoo myself with God's word and everything. I, I'm sacrificing myself, walking on my knees, so I can, I can repent of my, my sins and have a better life. Got it. Now I'm, I got it. Thank you. Okay. And we good. deal with that with people all the time. Yeah. Rosa used to be locked yeah. into that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and finish the song. Okay. Please. Psalm 21 to 9 says, In times of trouble, oh, I like Psalms 20. In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. Oh. Think of someone who needs the encouragement of God's strength and grace. Pray for them today. Who's that? That's, That's Jessica, Jessica, Velma. Anthony's doing really good. Anthony's doing amazing. Velma. Uh, Velma. Velma, we have to pray for even even Carlos uh, um, and the 20 people that need grace. And Devin. And uh, David. Devin and David and, and yeah. them. You know, I pray that the, pray the boys go to Christian yes. military school. Uh -huh. They need... They need uh, you know, and if they don't get it. Yes, I, I pray that Jessica will begin to open her eyes in the grace of God and what and, and that she begin to call on God to, to direct her steps and to guide her. I pray and that the uh, that, that Devin will, will cry out for Christian school and military yeah. and, and discipline in yeah. his own soul. That's love. And, and we pray for Velma and Bridget who lost uh, loved ones recently. 
And we pray that the Lord would just surround them with his blanket of love and, and warmth and peace. And, and I pray for Yolanda to, yes. to, 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 to be held by Jesus' love in her arms. Amen. And she don't have to do it her way. Really. Amen. I shall enjoy the presence of God yes. more and more. And, and Darlene will start praising Amen. the Lord and thanking God. Yes, and I pray for Angelica, Joe's daughter, my niece, that she would begin to, um, that the Lord would begin to open the doors of her to, to show her talents and, and, and just begin to walk in her destiny, destiny, that she would begin to know the Father's love and not be timid in life and that she would begin to be prosperous because the Lord is is guiding her and she's seeking the Lord with all her heart so she can find him. Same thing for Joey. I pray for Joey and Andrea as well, Lord. I pray for his anointing and sanctification on Anthony and, and my son Fernando, yes. Lord God, that they will be peaceful and earning Martinez, Lord, the sanctification Amen. and the peace falls into his heart, Lord God, as Satan is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. We declare these people whole and Amen. free. And we pray for all the people that have lost family members, Lord God, Amen. in death. And Lord, we, we Lord, we ask you a sanctification anointing on the body of Jesus Christ, the, the the parade of the army of the Lord, God, all over this world, that be sanctified and anointed with the oil of gladness, Lord, this day today in Jesus' name. And we pray for Christine and Sean and Richard, Lord. We just uh, thank you for sustaining Christine in these difficult times, Lord, and showing her how powerful you are to save her situation, Lord. And we pray a, a hedge of protection around Sean that the enemy will not penetrate into his destiny, Lord, that he's going to have a successful uh, career, Lord. He's aspiring big dreams, Lord. We just pray that you would help him to get there, Lord. And, and Father, we just pray recovery over Richard, his sobriety over Richard. Uh, Father, we pray that he would come to the end of himself and realize he needs you, Lord. And we thank you for surrounding him with people that will keep um, bringing the gospel of grace into his presence, Lord, that he will see that there is a God, Lord, and that he can rely Lord, on him. Amen. And those who, who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame, as the word says, Lord. I just pray that you strengthen Christine and can just pour out a blessing she can't contain, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that, that the doors of, of prosperity are going to be um, just open for her to walk into, Lord. You're the one who gives power to give wealth, Father, that she would be able to sow into your kingdom, Lord, and not struggle, Lord. You called, it's written that you called her to an abundant life in every area, Lord, of her life. So we just pray, pray favor over her, Father, protection in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Oscar. We're going to meet yes. Oscar in Blanca Sierra, Lord God. I pray for a sanctification and anointing upon her life, Lord, that it will be peaceful. Amen. And, Lord, and, and love and, Lord, treasures will follow them, Lord. Yes. We thank you for blessing them with these things. Yes. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Amen. And, and we pray for my mother and my father, Bonifacio and Juanita, that they would continue to grow like palm trees, Lord, that they would be planted by rivers of water, Lord, and their trees are not going to wither, Lord, and everything they're going to do is going to be prosperous for the kingdom, God. I just pray that right now, that peace, peace unto the mountain of strife, peace, peace over stress, just peace, peace unto them over, over their marriage, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, my brother Jesse, Lord, I just pray for for Jesse, Lord, as these problems are continuing to pop up uh, over Jessica, Lord, we just pray that we say grace, grace unto Jessica, grace, grace unto Jessica and the baby, and we say grace, grace unto Carlos, and we say grace, grace unto Jesse, Lord, and 
Father, just uh, let them know you're there. Surround them with your presence and your strength, Lord, your, your divine strength over his situation and increase his faith as he's, as he's seeking you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, amen. and my favorite psalm is that in, in, in times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the Lord, the God of Jacob, keep you safe from all harm. Hallelujah. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May he grant you your heart's desires and make your, all your plans succeed. Hallelujah. May we shout for joy when we hear your victory Hallelujah. and raise a victory banner in Thank the name of Jesus. our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Amen. Now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to your king, O Lord. Answer our cry for help, Lord, for all those that we've lifted up today, Lord. Answer our, our petitions, for even for glorious sobriety, Lord. We just pray, Father, for good health over Jay, Lord, and Brandy, Lord, and uh, that they would serve you, Lord, and seek you and find you, Lord. And, and we just thank you for your angels surrounding all our family members, Lord, keeping them, protecting them from evil, Lord, from every contagion and disease, Lord, Father, from accidents, and, and, and Father, from from any any evil that's on the freeways, Lord. We just thank you for protecting them and sending the angels in our family members, every single one of them, Lord. You know their names in Jesus' name. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. Hallelujah. Proverbs 20, verse 2 to 3 says, The king's fury is like a lion's roar. To rouse his anger is to risk your life. Avoid a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Amen. That's Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. And that's beautiful because you're not being led by your foolishness. Yes. And when you get insulted, if you ignore it, it turns into honor. Amen. That is one of God's mysteries. Amen.